no. <laughs> man, it's good to be back. Oh, man, I, I feel like I haven't seen you guys in a little while. Um, you probably haven't noticed, but thanks for caring. Um, no, I've been uh, out and about. Thank you last week. Um, I was here in the morning for a little bit, but then little Peter was having uh, some issues. He had a little virus thing, and so we, we had to take him to um, St. Joe's. Uh, but he's good. He's great. He's awesome. He's uh, happy as can be. Probably a little extra happy with all the steroids and stuff. Um, but thank you for praying for us. Uh, the week before, I had an opportunity to go. Uh, to the Capitol, uh, D.C., and talk to some of our representatives about um, so, some issues and different things. Um, it, it's just been great. And the week before, we had uh, Jeff um, preach for us, and uh, hopefully, I think he did a good job, maybe not. Um, yeah, okay, thank you. He did a great job. Uh, and then Brian Fudd was last week, and then the week before that, we had Jake, and, you know, it, it's just been a... Yeah, it's been a great time of just people that are, are just gifted and uh, amazing at sharing and telling stories and so, but I'm glad to be back. And uh, if you've noticed from our, our video and kind of the thing and the theme of what we're going to be talking about for the next uh, couple weeks is how to do what you cannot do. Basically, there's things that you cannot do yourself and, and that only somebody from either the outside or outside of yourself can, can really do. I mean, the truth of the matter is just the same for, for Peter when he was at the hospital. Natasha and I cannot heal Peter. You know, there's nothing really that we could do in that moment or those moments to heal our son. So we had to ask for help from the outside. And, and the truth of the matter is that's the exact same way it works for our, our spiritual lives and for life in general. There's things that you cannot do. But there's things that God gives us and, and, and offers us and helps us with to help us do the things that, that we cannot do. He offers us an invitation to come and to be a part of what he's doing. So what we're going to talk about today is prayer. It's the thing we all say we do, but none of us really do. Uh, it's the thing that we treat kind of as the new uh, God bless you, you know. You sneeze, you say God bless you. It's the thing we do before meals. It's the thing that we, we say and we think that we are really good at, but the truth of the matter is it's something we probably all struggle with deeply. Every single one of us says we always want to be better at, at praying or we want to be better at, at our spiritual lives. And the question is why is that? Why is it so difficult for us to pray? And maybe for some of you it's not. And, and man, I am encouraged by you and I'm impressed by you. But for me, I, I mean, one of the things that I hate is to be alone. I really do. I'm like a puppy. I, I've got to be around people all, all the time. And man, even if it's just me in the room of people praying by myself, it's easier to do that rather than, you know, hey, go to the mountain and, and pray. I would rather cut my toe off. You know what I mean? It's just that, that's just kind of my, my personality. So why is it difficult for me or for, for us to pray? And there's a couple different reasons why people do and don't pray. The don'ts. The truth of the matter is a lot of us don't pray because we don't think it works. We don't think it works. I've been, there's been times in my lives maybe a prayer wasn't answered or, or, or something or a situation or environment that I was in and I mean, I was like, I don't even think this is going to work. 
My, my natural inclination isn't like, you know what, you're right, I should pray about it. It should be. I mean, I'm a pastor, and that's kind of, I guess, my thing. My, my parents over there, I'm going to point you out, they always make me pray for every meal when we have family gatherings, and I'm like, other people can pray too, you know. Stop it. But why? Why, why do we not think it works? Why do we think it's kind of this ethereal, up-in-the-air kind of thing? I think it's because of a more dangerous reason, which is the second reason why we don't pray. It's because we don't need to pray. We don't pray because when you're your own God, you don't have to ask anyone else for help. When you're your own God, what's the point of prayer? Because prayer is going and asking and pleading and pursuing, which we're gonna talk about pursuing Christ, but when you're your own God, you're pursuing yourself, why is there a need to pray? And I think it lends itself in moments, maybe in a habitual way, to lead yourself into a place where you're not praying anymore. And you justify your behaviors and you justify your actions when you get angry or, or certain outcomes and you get angry with God. Because when you do pray, your prayers are sometimes not answered or they don't go the way that you think they should go. And you get frustrated and angry because God doesn't do what you want him to do and thus perpetuating the idea that, you know what, I know what's best for me. So why do we pray? A lot of times it's when we're desperate. So many times you've seen in movies or in stories or even in your own life that you have no prayer life whatsoever. But then sometime, a time of desperation or a time of need, we pray. Sometimes we don't even know what we're praying to or what we're praying for. But in us is this innate just idea and reality. We need help. And no one around me can help me. Maybe you have cancer. Maybe you're, you're sick or something's happening. The doctors don't know what to do and you pray. Why? Because you don't know where else to go. And we pray out of desperation. And sometimes that leads to a place of intimacy with Christ. But a lot of times it's just a, man, I, I got nothing else. Let's just throw it out there. Other times we pray culturally. Hey, I know none of you have done this, so I'm just gonna speak for myself. Let's say um, my friend Trevor there, Trevor's, he's got a problem, and maybe at work or whatever, he doesn't, but he, let's say he does. Hey, can you pray for me, right? Can you pray for me? Maybe he doesn't even have to say, can you pray for me? What is our response as, as believers in Christ or as a pastor? Hey, I'll, I'll pray for you, man. I'll pray for you, I'll pray for that. And then go home. No prayer. <laughs> we say it kind of as a reaction. It's kind of the thing you're supposed to say. Oh, man, I'm so sorry about that, Tony. Oh, let me pray for you. And for me, if I don't pray for you right then and there, you're not getting prayed for. Like, <laughs> that's, that's just me. I know none of you struggle with that. You've never said to anyone, I'll pray for you, and haven't prayed for them. It's just your terrible pastor that does that. So I know that example probably doesn't click with anyone. But if you somehow ever did say that you were gonna pray for somebody and you don't pray for them, then we can connect. But we do it kind of culturally. 
Culturally, as believers in Christ, it, like I said earlier, it's the whole, you sneeze, you say, God bless you. There's atheists that don't believe in God, and they're still saying bless you, and it's just because it's natural. It's a natural kind of response, and it's the same for us. Prayer has become a natural response to us. Yeah, I'll pray for you. Yeah, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. It's a warm blanket that we throw over each other, and we actually don't go before the throne and pray for people. Or maybe it's a formality. We're about to eat. We're about to do something. Okay, let's pray. Uh, God is great. God is good. Let's thank you for our food. Amen. Or, you know, what is it? God is, I don't know, God is great, God is good. I don't know, there's something with let's eat. I've even had people tell me they pray in January for the whole year for all their meals to save time. You know, like just different things. It's become kind of like a, a thing that we do. So what is prayer? If it's not those things, what is it? And I believe on, a, on, a, on a, a similar level, it's connected to fasting. And we're going to talk a little bit about fasting, but focused on, on prayer. And so there's a lot of mystery around prayer and fasting. But on a basic level, and this is something that we kind of came up with as a staff, but fasting is denying yourself something to pursue Christ. And praying is pursuing intimacy with Christ. Now hear me on this. Uh, fasting is denying yourself something to pursue Christ. Praying is pursuing intimacy with Christ. Do you see how in there, there those aren't requests? Those aren't things that you have to do. Those aren't when someone sneezes, you have to say, God bless you. When you pray, the whole point of praying is intimacy with Christ, not to impress somebody out there. Praying isn't for a hoped outcome, that this person will get sick, or I'll find this job, or this person will go away. The focus and the point is Jesus that we pray to become intimate with Christ, that we deny ourselves when we fast. If you say, you know what, I'm gonna, you know, Lord, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fast from, from Lamborghinis. I'm not gonna buy any Lamborghinis. I don't need any Lamborghinis. And the point of me not getting my Lamborghini is not so I could be denying something in myself so I can become closer to Christ. It's just denying Something, or even on a more personal level, hey, I'm not going to eat sugar. If the point of me not eating sugar is to lose weight, not to become intimate with Christ, that's not a fast. It's a diet. And so many times we take these things and we do these things partially, honestly, because we just don't know. We don't know practically how to do these things, and I want to help us through that. But, you know, there's a lot of things, and I want to just talk about this real quickly because, man, there's some mysteries that have come with prayer and fasting. Now, I know and I believe full-heartedly that God is sovereign, and God's will will be accomplished. But there's some mystery in that with God being our Father and us like children pleading and going before our Father and asking Him for things and pleading with him about certain things and certain things happening. 
Now, I don't know how all of that works. It's one of those mysteries of the truth of the gospel that, that kind of works because I, I can't really fully explain, man, how does God, all-knowing and all-powerful, come and say, Grant, I want you to come before the throne and ask for what you need. But I do know that he does. With prayer and supplication, we come before the throne and we say, hey, God, I need this. But more importantly, I need you. C.S. Lewis puts it this way. I've used this quote a lot because it's one of my favorite quotes. He says, I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because I'm helpless. I pray because the need flows out of me all the time. Waking and sleeping. Prayer doesn't change God. It changes me. How many times have there been a situation in your life, for me, I have prayed for people either to get out of my life or to come into my life. I don't know why that song always gets in my head, you know, thank God for unanswered prayers, talking about all these ex-girlfriends and stuff like that. But there's so many times that we, that if you think about it, if that prayer was answered, we'd be in a lot different place than we are right now. And for me, I, I think about that and I process that and, I, and my heart has changed to different situations and different people because I've brought their names in those places before the throne of God and I said, help me. Maybe it's an annoying coworker. Maybe it's something, a situation that you have. Maybe it's a relative that you really don't get along with. And I'm telling you, if you really truly pray for that person with the intimate the purpose of intimacy with Christ, your heart's gonna change to them. That's why Jesus says, pray for your enemies. Because it's not because we pray for the enemies so God can smite them. He'll smite them if he wants to. But it's rather, it's for you. It's for me to say, hey, okay. God, change my heart. Because yeah, that person's my enemy, but I know my heart and I'm pretty wicked as well. And God invites us into these moments because the truth of the matter is this, and this is kind of the bottom line of the whole sermon. There's nothing I can really, I'm kind of skirting around all these issues. There's nothing really I can teach you how to pray. Can't really teach you how to pray. We're gonna see what Jesus says, but I can't really teach you how to pray. The only way to get better at praying is to pray. The only way to do it is to pray. There's no really doctrine or theology that I can really dive into. I can talk about some things of the reasons why we do and we don't and what Jesus says about prayer. But the truth of the matter is it's just, we just gotta pray. I know for me, when I was in uh, college and my whole life, let, let me, I'm the last person that should be preaching this sermon, honestly, because I truly, I really struggle with prayer. I really do. And one of the things that I have been doing in my life on and off for, for years and years and years, specifically in, in college and, and different times in my life, I, I don't even, I don't even get, this is so, this is so terrible. Um, I don't even get to a place where it's like, God, help, help me to pray. God, help me to pray. I want to be better at praying because I love you, all these things. I'm not even there yet. I'm like, Lord, help me to want to want to pray. <laughs> Just being honest, like, and that's the place that I start sometimes when I feel that I've drifted away from God when it comes to prayer. I say, Lord, help me to want to want to pray. 
Not even help me to pray. Help me to want to even want to pray. And I start there, and God moves my heart into a place where now I'm getting into a place where I'm intimate with Christ. And it's an ebb and flow. You know, when you don't talk to somebody for a long time, you got to catch up. And for me, that's kind of how my heart is it's churning and working. So what does Jesus say uh, uh, about prayer and fasting? We have kind of our working uh, definition. We're going to be looking at Matthew. It's kind of like the archetypal prayer and fasting uh, chapter in Matthew 6 with Jesus. Jesus has just got done talking to the Pharisees and some other people about like all the things you, you shouldn't do or how to do these things. And his disciples ask him, they say, hey, man, Jesus, okay, we know all the things that we're not supposed to do, but how do we pray? It's the same for us. How do you, how do, you do this? For those of you that think it's worthless and for those of you who, who do it culturally, there's a problem. Because I, don't, I truly don't believe, I, I'm, I could be wrong, but I don't believe that there's anyone in here that just doesn't want to pray. Like if they knew the right way to do it, I think that we'd want to do it. Now there are some barriers and things that we, we choose not to do it, but everyone wants to know how to be intimate with Christ, who is a believer in Christ. If you're not a believer in Christ, then that makes no sense that you would want intimate with Christ, even though he's wooing you and calling you and saying, hey, come on, let's do this, and inviting you in. But for us who are believers in Christ, who have had a relationship that's been changed by Christ, I mean, we really do want to know how to pray, Right? And so the first thing we do is we, uh, we ask. So this is verse five. It, it will be on the screen if you don't have your, your Bibles, but I'll read it um, here. It says, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, kind of the don'ts, the cultural formality. I'm doing this for you. The prayer that's for you all. Have you ever thought about this? I'm gonna stop right for a second. Have you ever thought about this? Who, who, here, who here has ever prayed with somebody else? Raise your hand. If you haven't, it's okay. Now, be honest with your hearts. When they're praying, what are you thinking about? You think about what you're going to say. You think about what you're going to pray. If you've ever been in a prayer circle, if you're ever praying with somebody, as they're praying, you're like, okay, what am I going to say? All right, Father, no. Lord, no. They just said Yahweh. Ooh, oh, I'm going to be super hipster. Papa, <laughs> Papa, I love the opportunity that we, and you just start this poetic, just, mm, you don't even talk like that in real life. You're just like, you just start quoting Greek, and you're just, you put a T.S. Eliot quote in there, you're just killing it, right? And we never listen to the person that's praying, who's becoming and pursuing intimacy with Christ. We're so consumed with what people are going to think about how we pray. We don't even listen to the prayer of the person next to us. I'm guilty of that as well. Ouch. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites for they love to stand and pray in synagogues or prayer circles and on street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into a room and shut the door and pray to your father who's in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now that terrifies me. I'm gonna be alone. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. 
Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask him. Isn't that refreshing? Isn't it refreshing that before you even come to your Father, he's like, I know, I know. Thank you for coming to me, but I already knew that, but I appreciate that you recognize in yourself that that's what you need. Think about a child. Think about if you don't have kids or or a a worker or somebody that works for you and they come to you and you already know. Maybe they broke something or they they made a bad report or something and and you know it. And it's super frustrating and it makes you angry when they don't come to you and tell you. But when they do and they're like, you know what, hey, uh, man, I broke broke that thing in the living room or, man, hey, I really, I made a mistake on this report and I don't know if you know this, but I just need to tell you. Maybe you're giving incorrect change or something like that. It's similar in this same response that when you go back to the, where they already know. They already know that what you need or what has happened has happened, and you go to them. It's, it's not just refreshing for your soul. It's just refreshing in general, and the Father already knows what you need. So when you go to him, you're not going to someone who, one, can't help, and two, doesn't care, because he already knows you, and he knows what you need. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses or debts. As we forgive those who have forgiven our debtors and lead us not in temptation but deliver us from evil. For if we forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither your Father, forgive your trespasses. That's weird, isn't it? Jesus is teaching us how to pray. And he starts out, and he says, our Father in heaven, one, recognizing God in his right place. Hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. God in his right place, recognizing who he is. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Hey, this is about you. It's not about me. On earth, this is in heaven. Give us what we need. Just give us our daily bread. Lord, just give me what I need. Not necessarily what I want. Just give me what I need. And forgive me my sins. Before I even think about the person I'm praying about, just before I think about my brother or sister who hit me or or has betrayed me or the ex-girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever it is, forgive me. Forgive me my sins. Because I'm the one that's talking to you about me. Recognizing who God is, recognizing what God is, and understanding that he's in control brings us to a place where we can say, Lord, help me, but also, Lord, change me. And then it continues and says, help me forgive those who have wronged me or betrayed me. And don't help me not to fall into the traps. Help me not to fall into the pitfalls that I fall into every week. That's just, honestly, that's a simple way to pray. We think of the Lord's Prayer as this, like, kind of rhythmic, you know, our Father who art in heaven. No, no, no. We say it before football games. We say it before different events. We say it sometimes yourself. But think about it. I'm going to teach you how to pray right now. Recognize who God is. Recognize where God is. Recognize that you're not in control that he knows what you need and he wants to give it to you. And ask for forgiveness and the help to forgive others. It's a simple prayer. God 
I know that I'm not in control. And you're in control. Lord, I struggle with a lot of sins. Help me not just to forgive others, but to forgive myself. Lord, you know I'm looking for that new new job or that, that new relationship or whatever it is, fill in the blank. Lord, you know that. Just, just give me what I need. Amen. That, for you, just created one, a beautiful prayer, and intimacy with God. That's all it is. You don't have to think about some lofty words or some, man, how can I convince God what I need? And it brings you to a place that's not even about prayer. It's just for, you can't forgive other people. How is God supposed to forgive you? What is that talking about? I'm praying about a job. It's not about the job. It's about security. It's about finances. It's about all these different things. It's about your identity in Christ. That's the thing God's trying to tell you. Jesus is trying to tell you. It's not even about what you're praying for. Let's say somebody's sick and you're praying for them. You're going to the Father saying, I can't control this situation. Can you step in? It's not even about somebody being sick. It's about you caring and loving someone else. But God cares and loves about them more than you ever will. You're just aligning with God's heart. That's all it is. Prayer is a mystery, but it's not complex. And fasting, which is always attributed and connected with prayer. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, and their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head with oil, put your makeup on, do all these things, wash your hair, put nice clothes on, that your fasting may not be seen by others, that you get a father who is in secret, and your father who sees it in secret will reward you. Why do you fast? You fast to deny yourself something to pursue Christ. It's for you personally to pursue Christ. It's not for other people. It's not to lose weight. It's not to break an addiction, but it could be a a symptom of that or a reward from that could be something like that. But there's different ways to fast. There's the Daniel fast, which is denying yourself meat. There's the Esther fast, which is just denying yourself food for three days when Esther prayed for the nation. There's different ways to fast. There's different ways to deny yourself something for pursuit of Christ. You can deny yourself watching football if the point is pursuit of Jesus. You can deny yourself sugar. You can deny yourself driving to work and taking a bus if the pursuit and the purpose of it is to achieve Jesus. So many times we get so legalistic in the way we fast and we pray and we think it has to be done a certain way, but it's not how it's done. It's what and who it's done for. The point is intimacy with Christ. When you desire Jesus, you talk to him. When's the last time you talked? It could, should stir up something in your heart. Maybe you've never talked. What are the joys in prayer and fasting? The joys in prayer and fasting are that you become closer and closer, not only to who you are personally in Jesus, but who you're becoming in Christ. What are the self-deceptions of prayer and fasting that we see? 
Some of the, the, the deceptions that come in, in prayer and fasting are the ones, the pitfalls that the Pharisees do, and where we sit here and we pray not for the purpose of Jesus, but for the purpose of the people around us, for the purpose of impressing, for the purpose of getting a need. We pray because, God, I need this job. You don't know what I need. I need this job. How do I know more than you? Because I'm living here, and you're somewhere out there. You don't know what it's like to be single, God. I do. And I need a relationship. You don't know what it's like not to have kids, God. And I need kids. Why isn't this working the way that I want it to work? And we pray out of anger and frustration for a preferred outcome rather than praying for intimacy in Christ. Yeah, I created you. I know what it's like to be single. You need to have, fall in love with me. You've turned having kids into an idol. You've turned that job into materialism and money into something that's gonna hopefully satisfy you when you know, I know that I'm the only one who can satisfy. And we pray for preferred outcomes and when they don't happen, we get angry with God, even myself. Things hit us from out of nowhere. I prayed all the time in Haiti during the earthquake and during cholera when people were dying and things were happening. God, don't you see what's happening? Are you blind? I can't handle this right now. Fix it. And we do that all the time in our lives. And then sometimes people manipulate it and twist this. This is a side note, but it's important. So many times in Haiti, there were these voodoo doctors who would come, and you, you would come, and they would, they would do these different things, and they would say, all right, bring your child, you pay, and you do these things, and we'll heal your child with this magic and all these different things. And the, sometimes the child would die. One, because it was horrible medicine. And what they would say is the same thing that people say to you all. And have said to me, you don't have enough faith. The reason that this outcome didn't happen, the reason that this didn't, because God says we can move mountains. God's not going to let you move a mountain that he didn't intend to be moved. We, we, we attribute to not having enough faith and we, we think these things don't happen. Let me just give you two things and then I'm going to try something with you. Um, these are two questions I ask myself. One, question number one. You can write these down if you want to. I ask myself, if this prayer is answered, who will be glorified? It's kind of a way to check my heart. God, if this prayer is answered, who will be glorified? God, I really need that Lamborghini because I need a mode of transportation to get to work. Who's going to be glorified? if that prayer is answered. Another question is, if this prayer isn't answered, am I going to be angry with God? These are two ways to check your heart when you pray. One is, if this prayer is answered, who's gonna be glorified? And two is, if this prayer is not answered, am I gonna be angry with God? The truth of the matter is this. The whole point and pursuit and plan and purpose of prayer is for us to become intimate with Christ, the God of the universe, the one who created us. 
So I want to try something. We can do whatever we want because I'm in charge. So we're going to do something. And I want you just, right now, I want you to just, whatever barriers or whatever weirdness is about to happen, just kind of let it go, okay? But preempting you, okay? How about this? Everyone, just stand up real quick. You stand up. Stretch, you know, wake up, shake the hand in person next to you, say, are you awake, you know? You awake, Tony? Okay, good. You guys are awake? All right, cool. Sit back down. Sit up straight. Kind of a tent alert, nice posture. Sit up straight. Take a deep breath in. Deep breath out. All right, everyone... The only way to pray and grow in prayer is to pray. Now, this isn't a way to pray. This is just, this is just a, I'm going to try something. It's an analogy, okay? All right, so everyone, close your eyes. If you fall asleep, that's on you. Close your eyes. Relax. Just take a second. Now, imagine that you're on a road and you look to the right. You see a house, what does it look like? You start to walk up to the door, you look to the left, to the right, what are you seeing? You walk up to the door, what, is the, what does the door what is its color? What does the, the doorknob look like? You reach your hand out. You open the door. What do you see? What's, what's to your left? What's to your right? You walk into the house. What, is it, what does it smell like? You're looking around and you see the kitchen. You walk into the kitchen and you see a man sitting at the table. It's Jesus. What is he doing? How do you feel in this moment? right now, sitting with Jesus. He invites you to come and, and to sit really near him. You look to the left of the table, and there's an old trunk. Inside is something you don't want anyone to know. You don't want anyone to see. What is it? It's the thing that you've been hiding even from yourself. You look back at, at Jesus and, and he leans over and whispers to you. He says, I already know. What is the expression on his face? 
He stands up and he asks you to stand. He says, leave it. You don't need to hide anything anymore. I will take care of it. He asks you and he invites you. He says, follow me. Do you follow? Why? Guys, can open your eyes. Simple exercise. Some of you might have been a little weird. For some of you, it might have been very telling about your soul. For some of you, you, you saw a house with wood floors. Some of you saw a house with carpet and marble. Some of you may have smelled cookies. Some of you may have smelled something from your past. Some of you may have been nervous when you saw somebody sitting at your table. The trunk might have terrified you a little. Jesus' expression could have been a, a, a frustration or anger or joy. I, I don't know. That's for you. When he stood up and he asked, will you follow me? Some of you with a rambunctious, excited yell almost said yes. And I asked you why, it's because I love you. And I need you. Some of you might have said no. I don't trust you. When I said you might see Jesus at the table, it could have, uh, could have been a man that you met on the street a couple weeks ago because Jesus isn't real. Whatever that is for you, this isn't a, a, a way to, this, I mean, it is a way to pray, but the truth of the matter, it's a way for you to enter into the places of your hearts to pursue Jesus and in intimacy with him. For those of you who said, yes, I will follow you, and you've never followed him before, I want to invite you to come and to see what it truly is to leave that trunk behind. For those of you who said no, I want to say I'm sorry. I'm sorry for whatever is that made you say no, if it's past hurt from the church or, or for somebody who claimed to be a believer, or if somebody has sinned against you, that caused you to say no to that. I want to respect your no, but invite you into a place where Jesus can take all of that. And that we at Compassion Downtown, we pursue intimacy with Jesus. So wherever you are, I'm going to pray. The band's going to play. I'm going to be down here, and I would love to talk to anyone who, who needs to talk about, honestly, anything. And I want to encourage those in this room to pray. Not pray for people to come down forward and accept Christ, but pray for you to experience intimacy with Jesus. And through that, we can see what God does. Let's pray.
Father, even as I talk, even as I think, my mind is distracted and wanders away from you. There's so many things that I've got to do today and tomorrow and all these things that I don't have time, even in this moment on stage for invitation to say, God, I need you. God, that through and in you is the only way that this church will change. No singing, no preaching, no greeting, no communion, no nothing is going to happen apart from you. Nor would we want it to happen apart from you. Lord, I pray for everyone in this room that even if they've been a believer for 40 years, that they got to experience a little more intimacy with Jesus in these moments. And for those who have not, Lord, I invite them to come. I invite them to come and be a part of what God is doing here. And I pray these things in Jesus' name.